Hi guys, and thank you for joining us on your Una series podcast. Today, I am very happy to have a great interviewee called Bertrand Courtois. He's a good friend of mine. He's joining us to talk about something that you might have come across before, you might have not. It's called cupping. And it's a practice that has been seen all around the world really over the years, but we'll know about it more when Bertrand is going to tell us. So Bertrand is not just a friend of mine, he's also a colleague of mine. He's an osteopath. He graduated a bit before me in 1999, quite a bit before me, actually. He's more experienced, that's the truth. Yeah. He's an osteopath, he's an acupuncturist, he is an amazing healer, and he is also an amazing adventurer. He spends his life traveling the world on his two feet. And that's for another podcast one day. will tell us how he went through Russia, through China, in Nepal, all through the Alps, you know, nothing much. Anyway, this is Bertrand Courtois for you. So, hello everyone. Here he is. <laughs> I'd like to start by just asking something. So here we're going to focus on cupping. We could speak about so many things together because we share quite a lot of interests. But this is something that he masters, he teaches in the school in Paris, but not only. So that's why I ask him, could he please today explain to us a bit more about what is cupping? Here it is, I'm showing you a cup. It looks like this. There are different shapes and forms, but this is a classical one. So Bertrand, please tell yes, us about dear. what do you, how would you just explain very succinctly what cupping is and then a bit of history about it. Cupping, cupping is the art of applying a device able to create a vacuum onto a patient's body. And as far as we know, it's probably one of the most practiced medical technique in the world, or at least it was historically. Um, there's, there's historical traces which proves it, it has been used pretty much everywhere uh, on this planet. And, and it has been used for a very, very long time. Okay, you know that. That's, uh, that's the first thing you could say. There's, there's traces of, uh, that proves Egyptian used it. Mm -hmm. It's been used in China for at least two to 3,000 years. Uh, and in Europe also, it, the, the use of, of cupping was very widespread up to the 50s, 60s. And I'm, I'm in my mid-40s and I know my grandmother, um, who was born at the beginning of the 20th century, had cupping done on her when she was young. So it was still a very widespread practice for, for a long time. Well, I need to say here that I had it practiced on me by my grandmother wow. as well. And she was from Provence um, and very Provençal. And she used it on her yeah. and she used it on us. So that's something. But that's how I first saw it in my life. Yeah, actually, around the Mediterranean Sea, it's probably the part of Europe where, where it has been used for the longest. And still today, if you go to Croatia, to Slovenia, um, to Greece, there's a lot of people still using it. The practice is, is very much alive. Mm -hmm. and, and what's interesting is there has been a revival of cupping within the medical world or the, or the, the world of people like us, osteopaths, the paramedical practitioners are holistic using it. Yeah, holistic right. therapists. That's, that's the term I was looking for. They've been using it more and more, and there's definitely been a revival the last, the last decade, I'd say. Do you think it's fashion? I mean, there's, there's a fashion thing about it because I'm just saying this. You, it sometimes leaves, not sometimes, mostly it leaves some marks on your body. So it's true that there is, there's a trace and a proof that you have had cupping. So also people see it and... You know, we've seen some people, right, famous, showing that they've had cupping. So there's always a trend that kind of 
whirlpool around people like that having it. Do you think this is the trend, or do you yeah. think it's just the finding again of the efficiency of it? Well, I don't know. It's difficult. It's difficult to differentiate the trend within the patients uh, and the trend within the practitioners. Uh, it's it's a bit delicate, but it's true. And what's made it more popular uh, the last few years is when people have seen photos of famous people. Like I remember seeing Gwyneth Paltrow uh, having her photo taken um, a good seven or eight years ago. She was wearing a naked back dress, and you could see she had cupping marks on her back. There's also been these very famous photos of uh, Michael Phelps, the American swimmer, in when was the, the Olympic game in London? 2012. 12, 2012, that's it. Uh, you could see had cupping marks, and it, it raised a lot of questions in people's head, and, and people learned the practice was very much alive. So coming back to you and your kind of interaction with it, how and when did you first come across it, and who mm. taught you it? Okay. Uh, I came back to the UK from uh, after I graduated from a, a British college and I came back to the UK in 2012 and uh, at the time I did what I had been looking for a long time which is study Chinese medicine properly again and so I enrolled in a course at Middlesex University uh, so I, I studied I did a degree a bachelor degree again in, in, in traditional Chinese medicine and uh, that's when I learned about cups, really. I had seen cups before when I was an osteo student mm -hmm. uh, 25 years ago, but I'd never learned how to use them. And so my basic education in cupping came from studying Chinese medicine at, at college, at university. And uh, after a few years, I wanted to know more. And that's when I discovered the man who's really... is the world reference in the world of cupping. Yeah. He's, a, he's an Australian guy called um, Bruce Bentley. Mm -hmm. And I had I was lucky enough to organize a course for him and to translate his lecture uh, in, in around Paris. Uh, when was that? About four years ago. And that's when really I was educated to a very orthodox, very deep, very thoughtful practice of, uh, of cutting. Let me come in here for a minute. So because I'm a bit like you, I, I came through it through my, my grandmother and then a bit of stories. I even want to say here a funny story about remember Jean Florette, this amazing movie from... Uh, who wrote Jean de Florette? There's, there's cupping in Jean <laughs> de Florette? I had no idea. I had no idea. It's Marcel Pagnol, yeah. obviously. And anyway, I'm just saying, so it was in France as well. That's what I'm trying to say. And it was, yeah. it was very present in even our country. But the thing that's interesting is it came back to my life as well through uh, the Chinese medicine. But what I want to see here is that a bit like acupuncture, actually. It seems that there's not a divisive, but there's two branches of the way you can understand, use, and apply cupping. And I mean, the Chinese medicine or the five elements that ah. you've taught is such a, a whole system. But then you also have cupping used by people who don't have that knowledge, mm. but yet use it efficiently yeah, with yeah, a yeah. different idea of it. Yeah. And how would you... So I know you... you There's you, two things. I, I, I see where you're coming from. Basically, on the whole, cupping is a folk medicine. It's practiced by people who don't need a medical education or very th thorough conceptual education in, in order to apply it successfully. Because it is... It is simple. It is pretty simple in how you use it. You can make it complicated in order to be very efficient. You need a deep understanding of how to use it and what it does to the body. Uh, but essentially, you can be very efficient with a very basic it's education. Accessible. Yes, it's extremely accessible. And most people who've been using it, uh, and I mean lay people using it as a folk medicine, don't really have a concept of what it does. Mm -hmm. They just know in which situation to apply it, how to apply it, 
and then that's usually enough to get results. And then there's the practice that there's the practice of doctors, of doctors of Chinese medicine. I mean, not medical doctors, but medical doctors used to use cupping too up to the late 19th century. Mm-hmm. And then usually the practice rests on a deeper kind of um, intellectual construction. Um, and and because it's been applied in different form of medicine, Hippocratic medicine was uh, was really uh, a medicine that gave a lot of room to the use of, of cupping. And the thinking behind it of its efficiency was quite different from the one of Chinese medicine. So basically what I'm trying to say is you can use it as a folk medicine with very little understanding of or conceptual understanding and you'll still be efficient or you can make it a little bit more complicated and then it can still uh it can still be used within the context of different medicines so where would you i'm not just going to speak about obviously how you practice it or so i'm I'm really interested into this but because you have and i know this from our relationship you, you know both axes and both dreams of cupping yeah i know that you also have a really holistic approach of your patients meaning you have those different kind of hats you can apply depending on what you think the patient needs. So I don't want to go into that level of details and I'll just stay on this for a minute. And I would say, at which point regularly, do you use it on every patient, for example, or is it something today that you use it? I don't want to know the exact number, but you know, is yeah, it 20%, yeah, yeah. is it 50%? Is it different depending on the season? You know, what is, what are the triggers that make you think, you know what, I think cupping will be good for that. I understand this mm. is the patient, but you know. Well, essentially, you what's very interesting is regardless of where you look in terms of the use of, chi- of, of cupping, sorry, uh, is, is essentially resting on the treatment of two kinds of symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it's the same throughout the whole world. People use cupping for two things. The first one is uh, musculoskeletal pain, essentially back pain. And the second one is lung infections. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and very logically, there's a reason for this. If it's if the use in these contexts is so widespread, there's a reason for it. It's 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 the fields in which it's the most uh, efficient because it works. And yeah, exactly. And and I follow this this logic. Mm-hmm. So if someone has back pain, particularly chronic lower back pain, or if someone has um, a lung infection, mm-hmm. that's the context in which I I usually use it. I agree with you because I find it the same way in, in my practice. Now, what's interesting in the question, I want f- what you think, for example, on chronic back pain, again, not going into the details of it, but I think people might be interested now in what is it we think that happens physiologically oh. when cupping Ooh. is applied? And oh. I know this is a, a broad question again, but yeah. how would you just synthesize it to make it accessible? Oh, you know, when I teach cupping, this one is the part I dislike the most because... First, there's not always, I've been practicing for 20 years, and if I don't need to fully understand the mechanism of a technique in order to be efficient, then I don't spend too much energy on it. Uh, it might seem weird to think this way. You couldn't function like that if you were a medical doctor. There's no way you'd give medication to someone without knowing what, you, what they do, and hopefully uh, medical doctors don't. don't. But yeah. we're lucky enough to use processes, therapeutic processes that are gentle enough and from the moment you know you're, you're not being dangerous for your patient, uh, as long as you know you're efficient, yeah. you can sometimes not obsess too much on the mechanism as long as it doesn't um, refrain you from being efficient. So basically, uh, that's what I'd say first. Secondly, there's, there hasn't been any research. Uh, I mean, uh, who would put, money into, who would put money into research in cupping? No one, as mm-hmm. far as I know. Um, so what is your instinct? 
Oh, it's more than my instinct. Basically, my thinking about what it does stems from a study of what Chinese medicine thinks it does. Mm -hmm. And then it's a little bit complicated. But just basically to, to keep it simple, I'm going to try to make things... Yeah, I'm going to try to keep things simple. In Chinese medicine, most joint issues, most rheumatological issues, stems from the invasion of the body by what they call perverse qi or evil qi. And... These evil chi are six. There's, there's dampness, mm -hmm. there's heat, there's dryness, there's cold, there's wind. Forgot my sixth one. Yeah, it's okay. That plenty that's of... okay. That's plenty. That's plenty of example. It's just here to illustrate. And uh, and basically, from their point of view, what the cup does is simply remove these external influences. That are, we call them climatic influences because they are very much linked with the weather. If, for example, today is windy and cold, if you put your body out in this kind of weather frequently and your health is not so strong, you might suffer from an invasion of wind cold. That's how the Chinese would see it. So uh, basically, the use of the cup would simply be to remove this external influence by sucking it out. So when you say it like that, it seems very... It could seem a little bit... It's stupid. Seems very clear to me. Exactly. Opposite. Very clear. I think I do, I do, on the other way, I think it's yeah. actually very well. It's a great analogy, and I think people understand this. You know, you get under the pressure of an environment. It comes into you because you're a bit weak, or your protection yeah, yeah, yeah. is weak. It comes in. You take it out. I think. Okay. You know, if you're I, happy I like with it. this one, very happy. I, I was reasonably happy with this one, but there's some there's some intellectual elements missing in order to articulate everything. So. Uh, I won't go too, too much, too much into details, but it is true. If you work with people that expose their body regularly to pernicious external influences, let's say a cyclist who does thousands of miles every year, exposing his knees to the cold, uh, or someone who lives in a very damp environment, you often are going to find clinical manifestation in a joint that are the reflection of these external influence. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, if someone exposes himself to the cold a lot, they're often going to have, they're going to develop pain or aches or achiness around joints, which are made worse for cold. And often they'll manifest by the skin being very pale. Okay. So for a Chinese person, this would be the, uh, the consequence of cold invading the joint. And in Western medicine, this would just be a propension for the joint to get into vasoconstriction. Mm -hmm. So basically, the blood vessels around the joint would just constrict. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so how do you treat cold in Chinese medicine? Where you remove it. How do you remove it? By using heat, very simply. So when you apply a cup on it, what you do is you bring heat, literally, because the air inside the cup is warmed up. You apply it on the joint. Let's try it so people we'll see try. what it looks like. Since you're actually describing the mechanism, yeah, so we know people can see it. We're not very well equipped here to do this. And this is not very professional. Yes, this is not up to standards, but it's just a it's demonstration. It's just to show you guys. Yeah, I'm gonna try not to set you on fire. Please don't. This is a French hairy arm. Just so people can see how it works. This is not my normal alcohol. This might not work. We're really not well equipped. I didn't think we'd have to do a demo. You know what, young man? It's not working. It's not going to work. We'll do it's it not working. Never mind. We'll, we'll do it. Another. We'll, we'll cut this out. So the idea is you would put the fire near You the would put the fire, and so the, the air within the cup would expand, 
as soon as you and then you would apply it onto the skin of the patient the air would cool down and so retract and you create a vacuum and this vacuum would have an effect basically if you keep asking me if i keep explaining how how it acts within the physiology it would just dilate the blood vessels improve the circulation within the area and this as such is, is curative this gentleman from uh, australia that you met four years ago that's yeah Can you change his name? Bruce Bentley. Bruce, Bruce Bentley. Bentley. He has, it seems likely in your narrative that he has, you know, brought another dimension in a more orthodox yeah. way. Yes. So what is that then compared to this explanation that I really like about this more Chinese way? What okay. is what, what is his what is his well, take on it? He's been extremely well educated. I think he's a man who studied Chinese medicine in Taiwan in the 70s. Mm. He's still able to tell you every single Chinese name of every single point of acupuncture. And it's not far from 400 of them. Mm. I mean, he's extremely intelligent. He was for a while the, the boss of the ethnomedicine um, department of the World Health Association. So he's a very recognized person. And he's done a lot of field study on, on cupping. Mm -hmm. And he's been educated by the best practitioners in the field in China. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's seen how it's practiced in many parts of the world. I know he spent time in North Africa, uh, in many places in Asia. And so he's really, he's really the world reference for this subject. And I do encourage anyone who wants to study cupping um, thoroughly to study with him. And so his, his level of practice is very high. He has very, a deep, very much a deep understanding of, of what he does when he applies and what was So what would be the take, you know, what is the one thing or two things that he has enlighten you about through going through Why well, it's just the orthodoxy of the practice. It's really, it's really how you use it technically. And uh, you and I both do a, a manual job and you know there's concepts and there's, there's knowing things and there's knowing how to do them. And sometimes it's difficult to articulate why, but it makes a massive difference. It's sometimes. a tool, you know. You yeah, can it's have a, a tool. hammer if you exactly, good, you can exactly, make a exactly. If you don't know how to do, you just break a wall. Exactly, and you, if you see a piano, you can you can push on on one of the touch, make a sound. That's not music. Yeah. And so this guy really knows how to play music with cups. If you see what I mean. I do. I have a question for you as well because I know people have seen this and those pictures kind of move on internet where people call it wet cupping mm. and to, to tell people what this means most of the time okay. is when people do a little cut on the skin and apply the cup just after doing this little cut. So because we just mentioned it, there's a suction process, mm. it brings, it seems more blood out. Mm. What's interesting is that in a way some people associate it with what we used to call the senye mm. back a couple of centuries ago when it was an understanding that to get better, we need to get some of your infected yeah. or bad blood yeah. or des humeurs in French out and we used to slice and yeah. it was the whole art of that, slicing the rest and basically letting people yeah. bleed. So anyway, what, what is your, I know that you do it as well and I know that I've seen some Horrific pictures on the net, as we can always imagine. So what is... The well, first, I'd say the, the practice, there's, a, there's been a revival of the practice within the Muslim community, uh, wherever in the world, especially in, in the West. Uh, it's more obvious in the West. I don't know how it was practiced before, but uh, it, it's pretty much, it's called hijama in, hijama in Islam. And it's pretty much one of the only practice. I mean, there's different form of wet cupping or bleeding cupping. 
But the most common one, the one that you see the most if you go on the internet these days, is hijama. And hijama is one of the only medical practice described in the Quran. And there's been a revival within Muslim community throughout the world. Uh, there's been a, a, an increased interest in, in Muslim practice, medical practices. And so that's where it, it comes from. So uh, there's lots of places I know in London. There are some, uh, some people practicing exclusively hijama. And as far as I know, you need a form of certificate in order to practice it because you're, uh, you're making your patient bleed. So you need a special certification. And so, yes, essentially it will consist in uh, applying cup on an area you've, um, you've slightly opened with a razor blade. And so you create exactly you incised. And so it creates a, a bit of bleeding, nothing much, but... I'm not sure about the underlying theory, but I do suspect, as you said, it's about pouring, pulling out something from the body that's, that shouldn't be there and that's in the blood, basically. Always, always the same, similar kind of concept. Yeah. You're, you're, you're dragging something, you're dragging out, something out came in, yeah. went through your defense and, and somehow is settled in and you're just trying to move it exactly, out. Exactly, exactly. And so that's, that's, that's the hijama, that's the Muslim practice. And I can't tell too much about the background theory because I don't know it simply. But even in Chinese medicine, for example, you can use bleeding cupping. For example, it's a very common practice. And I have to say, it's one of the most efficient one I know for sciatica. So you would uh, incise the little blood vessels if they are apparent behind the knee. And then you would, if necessary, apply a cup to increase the bleeding a little bit. You won't get much blood out. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't have a quantity in mind, but just a very little bit is usually enough. And uh, this practice as such is very relieving. And I discovered it myself when I had sciatica about 10 years ago. And still to this day, as a patient, at least it's the most efficient practice I've been uh, I've how been long, exposed to. How long would you apply the cup then for that? You know? Very little, very little for, in the case of sciatica, for example, two to three minutes would be a maximum okay, so already. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even necessary. Are there places on the body that you couldn't apply cupping? Oh yeah, of course, of course. Uh, usually you do not tend to bleed the face, to, to, sorry, to cup the face, except if you use cupping uh, specifically to reduce wrinkles, which is a practice that's more and more common. Uh, you have to be very careful in places where there's lots of blood vessels, uh, like the groin, for example. You have to be careful to when you apply it on, uh, on the abdomen, on the belly, simply because there are lots of people with weaknesses, constitutional weaknesses in the in their belly. And the last thing you want is to increase the... <laughs> you don't want to pull, out, to pull a hernia out, exactly. Uh, that's, the, that's the main contraindication. Also, you have to be careful with older people, as the skin can be a little bit fragile. And bruise a lot. And bruises. Does it always bruise? No, at first we tend to not call a cupping mark a bruise, but mm -hmm. just call it a cupping mark because a bruise, because it actually is not literally a bruise. It's not a bruise. It's, it's once again, Bruce Bentley, as far as I know, is the only person who's done a little bit of study on what is a cupping mark by doing some, um, some biopsy of cupping marks. Mm -hmm. And it seems what creates the, the, the mark is the accumulation of old, um, old blood cells. Uh, that's, as, that's as much as we know. That would be, that would be an interesting uh, interesting field of study. Interesting, because we know that a red blood cell is for 120 days. So yes. you, what is an old red blood cell? Is it when there are 80 days? That's, how, that's days? how he verbalizes uh, his findings. So, uh, I don't know, I don't know. But I guess the idea is if, if there's been an area of stagnation or simply... If, if, you, have, if you have a muscular protection or an achiness or a pain somewhere, very often the area will have a high density. Mm -hmm. If it has a high density, it's very obvious that fluid won't circulate very well through it. 
And so there's, an, there's a chance fluid will accumulate and those stay longer in the area than they should. So, uh, so that's what the capping mark does. Now there's something more to say with capping marks is they have a very strong diagnostic meaning. So depending on the color of the capping marks, you can, you can have, you have simply a different diagnosis. If you have a very purple mark, the Chinese would call that block stagnations. And sometimes it, it's, it's so dark, it's nearly black. And mm -hmm. there's a, an obvious correlation between this kind of mark and pain. So that's what you will get very often in case of chronic pains or even surgery. Uh, sometimes at the contrary, you have no mark whatsoever. Or it's mm -hmm. completely pale, in which case it can be cold. It's, it's what the Chinese would call cold, the cold I was, I was mentioning before, the cold invading the body, or it could be blood deficiency. Blood deficiency, blood being red, of course, if, if the patch or the cupping mark is white, there's simply not enough blood. Yeah, the irrigation so, is not good. Exactly. So what's very interesting is the, the caps as such is, is like, once you've applied caps, it's like looking at a screen that would tell you the diagnosis. And it's, uh, it's very interesting to see that usually the caps, the, sorry, the mark changes quite drastically after a few applications of caps, few sessions, and usually there's a resolution of symptoms that goes with it, which is quite, uh, it's quite pleasant, actually. And it's very easy to explain patient and to show it's them the reality. It's very didactic. People feel it. People, and people, feel see, it. Yeah. people see what's going wrong. They see it improving visually and they improve in terms of symptoms. I think we, we could mention here something that happened to us because Bertrand used um, his cups on me after I had uh, a real blow to my mm. chest from a football incident rather than an accident. And as one might know, when you get really elbowed hardly into the, it's called the, the common cartilage, you can have a really residual pain that lasts for a very long time. Although you're kind of mechanically okay and nothing's broken and you're, you're structurally absolutely fine, but there's a very hard, difficult pain to get rid of. And uh, this was something on which Mm. For example, we could, you know, whichever way we want to believe it worked, but you somehow by sliding, because you can also use them. And I know you use some cups that we don't have here that are a bit... The silicone uh, cups. Silicone yeah. cups that you would put some oil and it allows you to, I would say, slide. To slide really. around. So yeah, you yeah, slide literally. around and you, you get, again, you kind of pulled it out, dragged it out, whichever way we want. And, it's, yeah. and that was, again, very efficient. And it's funny because... It does what it looks like it's doing, yeah. but you couldn't say technically I've taken the pain out of yeah. the common cartridge. But, it's, but yeah, it would be an what... easy way to explain what it's exactly. doing. If you're, if you're lacking elements, intellectual elements, to really deeply understand what you're doing, when you, you would fall onto this kind of explanation right. And very I think easily. it works yeah, plenty yeah, yeah. enough, and I'm not trying to speak that no, it's no, no. a placebo, but it, it makes you want... You, you you intrinsically believe it's doing what it's doing because yeah, yeah. it is doing it because it's doing it. <laughs> so I think I think it makes sense to me and I feel and, I, and I'm quite um, I'm quite fine adept of it. What else would you say about? Well, I mean, we, we've talked about lots of things now. A bit of history. We've talked about how to apply it, and where to apply it, where to not apply it. We've said, and I think uh, I, I agree with you. I think for people listening here, there's something interesting to know that. It is something accessible. We're not telling you you can use it at home, not far from it, but there are, and we are both practitioners in many times, and I know we are in a COVID time and we're talking here with, the, you know, being very careful and take a pinch of salt here, is that a lot of generally, I'd say lung infection, we mm. mentioned lung congestion, and you see it on kids with asthma, with kids with people with emphysema, with all sorts of congestion from the lungs, even cystic fibrosis, you can use the cups on the back because yeah. we tend to forget how 
widespread the lungs apply on the back so just on the other side of the ribs so on either side of the spine and you can apply cups along and it just seems to give really a, a breath of fresh air mm, it's more difficult to understand exactly what it does in this kind of context but it's true uh, usually when it comes to lung infection as far as i know within with my own experience if you apply a proper protocol, the first 48 hours, before, the, before you've developed all the full symptoms, uh, when you're just starting to feel a little bit weak, you have just a very beginning muscle of fever, you muscle ache, if you're more than yeah. 10 years old, you know you're on the point yeah. of having a flu or some mm -hmm. kind of a viral infection. Uh, if you apply it at this moment using specific protocols, in my experience, it works really well. It I, works really well. I use it on my my boy, and it's it's just it's been incredible. I don't know if it's because he really believes his dad uh, <laughs> knows what he's doing. <laughs> Who knows? But it, but you know, it's, I'm sure there's a lot of placebo yeah, there. Yeah. But maybe it's the opposite effect. But it still really works, and I and I really encourage people to explore that a bit more. And I know there's quite a f as you said because of this renaissance of it around. There are quite a few practitioners yeah. using it today. And I, of course, it's nothing on its own, and it has to be used within a diagnosis mm. and understanding and the whole I guess, prognosis as it were of what we can do with it but i think it's a great tool used properly we've mentioned that of course mm. um so i think this is plenty about the cupping what else would you have do you think we've, we've been around the whole history use safety guards and some of our self you know use like on my ribs you use it a lot on the lungs you say low back pain inside i think we've covered quite a lot of ground yeah i think yeah no i think we we have already because as i said it's a reasonably simple tool to use and you can you can understand it and use it efficiently without spending months learning it you know like we've, we 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 manipulate spines for a living this is something different, you know, this is something different, but, uh, but something that requires a lot of background knowledge and in order to apply it. And, and it's very complicated to manipulate backs properly. So uh, it's very different from, from the use of cupping. It's, it's one of those magic tools that in itself is, is so simple to use. I, uh, I want to say, because I think you introduced me to this and the, um, the silicone cups yes. that don't require fire yeah. to be set up and from what I feel when I use them and when you use them on me there and it seems difficult to do something wrong with it and, and by this I mean once you've understood oh, there yeah, is yeah, not yeah. It, it is accessible to people I think there is it, it, there's a space there to really not train but you know yeah, I see what bring you it to people yeah. and use it because it, this is really quite not simple but accessible as an educator it's true sometimes you'll have this idea of an i mean i wish everyone knew how to use cups and was technically able to apply it on themselves on within the family uh when it's required and i do think people would benefit from it and it's still something that happens a lot if you go to the chinatown in paris for example it's very easy to find yeah. cups and because people buy them to use within their own family. Now there's always this little anxiety because we have a responsibility as educators. And it's true, the moment you use fire, things become a little yeah, yeah. bit risky. You have to know what and you're doing. It with exactly. It. But it's true that for the last few decades now, it's been very easy to find uh, cups who don't use fire, but who rely on the use of a pump. Yeah. And it's not the silicone cup you're talking no, about. No, no, They're no, actually no, made no, of hard plastics and they can be used pretty much 
uh, as easily as the traditional ones, except you don't have to use fire. And I have to say that I do encourage people to learn how to use those. Well, uh, there we go. This is how we're going to finish this. I think um, we're going to encourage people to learn more yeah, about exactly. cups and maybe even try cups. What we actually do, we should probably... Make me think set maybe a, I should... We should set yeah, up a course and yeah, just train yeah, people yeah. to, to Lay use. people. I think so. That's always been my, 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 I'll call it my dream, actually, to go from educating practitioners to educating lay people to use cups safely and efficiently. But there you go. Really? The idea just yeah. germinated today. We'll see what comes out yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Bertrand. Thank you You're guys welcome. for watching. I hope you, you liked it. I hope you've learned quite a bit. I did learn quite a bit. And really, maybe this is it. This is the beginning of a whole... Uh, training of people to use cupping revolution is going <laughs> thank you so much thank i you. hope to see you again soon bye bye